Hi, I'm Christina and our host Samuel and welcome to Over the Edge podcast sponsored by The Edge Ministry. Tonight's mission is to take a deeper look at how our respect for God plays out in our everyday lives and how it affects the people and relationships most important to us. Yes, Christina. To give some further insight into this topic, I'd like to welcome our distinguished pastor from Markham Baptist Church, Pastor Craig Rumble. Hi. Hi, Pastor Craig. <laughs> it's nice to see you again. <laughs> we, we saw each other a while back, I understand. Yes. Yeah, it's a small little anecdote. Like, <laughs> you maybe can give some context as to... <laughs> we were actually, Sam, we were here together a couple days ago trying this out and with a different topic. Uh, you didn't want me to know the answers, so I've <laughs> given a, a whole different uh, uh, topic. But uh, we were here and, and some things just didn't uh, click in terms of the recording. Right. Technical. Glitches. Right. <laughs> so again, I, would, I think I'll, for the sake of the listeners and uh, everybody who's listening, who is Pastor Craig? <laughs> it's it's a question that I love because you can enter it in so from so many different paths and directions. And uh, as I said last time, for me, kind of a definition of who I am and who we are as people relates to. Uh, uh, relationships we hold and, and uh, the different people we, we have in our lives. So mm-hmm. um, I'm a, a son of a barber and uh, grew up with a dad that was hardworking and owned his own business and respected in, in the small community that I grew up in. Um, I'm a, a brother to a uh, sister and a brother um, that live not too far from me in Ontario and uh, enjoy those relationships. Uh, I've been a, a, I am a, a parent, a father of a, a daughter that's a, a grad from university and heading into her um, career now. And um, also uh, um, I've been married and uh, my wife passed away just a, a few years ago and that was a heartbreak because she was just the greatest gift in my life. I I can't say anything other than um, the blessings that flow out of um, walking in faith. Uh, without it, I think uh, I I would have been sunk. Um, my life has uh, had the usual ups and downs that uh, all of us face, and uh, the the downs have uh, been times when God has lifted and carried me and the the high points have been made that much more incredible because mm-hmm. of my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Could you describe your reverence for Christ and how you came to that? How do you feel that level of respect for Christ? Sure. I let me say this the the topic that you you've you're present we're presenting tonight mm-hmm. um, the excitement for me is uh, most of what flows out of reverence uh, defines my life so in other words uh, if I were to lift up anything in particular that's a quality that's a value that would um, um, influence me in my not only my beliefs, but my actions in the world, my relationships with other people. So reverence for God in Christ um, anchors it to the character of God as I see mm. God in Jesus. And um, certainly recognizing the qualities that Jesus brings out of, of God allows me to um, kind of 
anchor my life and recognize that these are some of the qualities I hope will uh, flourish and grow in my own relationships with other people. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's one of the best things in my life. Mm-hmm. And could you talk, uh, could you expand on that idea a little bit among the workplace specifically? So it's it's rather um, nasty that I get to be a pastor and uh, act out of reverence in an environment where um, it's almost it is anticipated, it's expected. Mm-hmm. I think the harder thing is for people that have um, jobs, employment, um, careers in areas of the marketplace and and outside of the religious organizations we call church in the world, um, where they act out their values, their beliefs, their understanding of who Jesus is and Mm -hmm. what he taught, um, that's much harder. Uh, For me, um, it's almost an expectation. People come in and and anticipate that somehow, uh, whether it's in my behavior, my words, my attitude to to them, um, that something of Jesus shows up there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... I'm saying it's harder for people outside of the church to live their lives daily, I think, in a very authentic way uh, that expresses Christ. But at the same time, it's it's harder for the pastor um, to do that uh, without uh, a sense of um, privilege, you know, that, mm. uh, that it's just expected, so I'll just throw it out there. It, for me, it, it requires and, and calls forth a, a deepening of what that means to me. Right. Why don't more people experience God in their work? Ah, I love that question, Sam. I love it because um, one one answer to that is because I don't think there's much of God in a lot of workplaces. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of the character of God in places where people um, earn a living and work hard and strive to uh, save money for whatever it is that matters most in their family and their individual lives. Um, they, they might have a workplace that's hostile, an environment that's critical, um, colleagues that are um, always at each other's throats for that one promotion that's coming up that you know five or ten people are, are anxious to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's lacking is the character that I see in the God that loves me and that I'm in love with, uh, a God that um, is not known as uh, vengeful and angry as is as, as often put forward, but a God that is shown in Christ as servant, um, as shepherd, as lover, mm-hmm. as, um, as one that has our back. Um, is one that forgives and offers mercy. And a lot of those characteristics are needed in the workplace, and sometimes they're just not there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's more than a cliche. Right? Yeah. The cliche is easy. Uh, you know, uh, do everything for God. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to think about it is going to cause me to maybe take a different path than I naturally would otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the... The beautiful thing is that when people find um, get to choose a career or work in an environment where um, you know they say I've always dreamt of something like this and mm-hmm. I, I get to use my abilities I get to do the do something that I love I mean I think the hardest thing for any of us is to be caught in in something that we have to do just for a paycheck right. without loving anything that we're doing or liking even anything we're doing mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's a gift that we're given if we can actually be employed in an area where it calls our best 
forth. Mm. And uh, and that's what I think you're you're sharing too. That uh, uh, saying at the beginning of every day that you go into at work or at school, mm-hmm. um, you know, how can I live this out for God? Is to ask God, uh, ask something of God for you to say, you know, put within me the inspiration and the desire to do my best, mm-hmm. not just to coast and drift and uh, not really care. Uh, but I knew a, an incredible, uh, rather famous surgeon, and uh, he he was just uh, a person of deep faith as well. And uh, I didn't know this about him until the story came from uh, a nurse that I happened by in the hospital that, that knew this man. And uh, she told the story of how, oh, you're looking for Dr. Graydon. Let me tell you, Every time we go into surgery with him, um, he has us all pause and pray, and he leads a time of prayer over the patient he's about to operate on. Mm-hmm. And and for him, it wasn't uh, simply an awesome ability that he carried with him and a, and a skill that was honed through a lot of education and practice, uh, but it, it was his respect for God and his desire that the blessing of God would also enter that operating room. And mm-hmm. I think that just blew me away. How do you think the gospel message transforms our understanding of work? Hmm. How the gospel message transforms our understanding of work. So we were talking earlier about doing everything for God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how serious am I about showing God to the world? How am I um, offering the character of Christ uh, through my behavior and my relationships, uh, mm-hmm. the things I'm doing? And and so, I, uh, for me, one of the most important things is, um, again, if God so loved, the, you know, John three sixteen, famous passage we all quote, God so loved the world, He gave Himself, His His one and only Son. Um, if if God's in me at work, then part of what I'm doing is giving, giving of myself. Mm-hmm giving my truest self, my deepest self, something that counts, something that is costly. Mm. Um, So I ought not to go into any day at work thinking, oh, I pray it's just going to be an easy day. But rather I should go into work praying, may this be a meaningful time Mm. uh, in my life, in the lives of other people I interact with and the things we're doing together. Um, You know, God is a God that uh, gave and gives everything. Uh, the second part of that scripture, of course, is he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, mm-hmm. but will have everlasting life. There's that part of it, too, that what I do and how I do it should be life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Deborah, my wife, uh, had a, a saying about that, that um, the things that she would do, she, she hoped were life-giving uh, moments in the lives of other people, that mm-hmm. it would spark something of genuine joy and peace and hope. Um, I think that's that's something that I desire too. Mm. And the third part of that verse, uh, the next one actually, verse 17 in John 3, is he came not to condemn, but to save. Um, and that's, that's a harder part of our living, isn't it? That um, the judgments seem to flow so naturally and easily out of, out of most or all of us. Um, if something doesn't go our way, if something's harder than we want it to be, uh, then it's it's quite tempting to be critical mm-hmm. either of the experience or the employment or the employer, our boss or our colleagues, uh, instead of focusing in on, if I'm Jesus' um, presence in, in this moment, 
how am I operating in a way that will will lift people up rather than um, my desire to to lift myself up mm-hmm. so could you um, could you talk about when work becomes our idol how we can work around that hmm again um, if if we hold on to the idea of reverence um, I, I have to it comes with a question what is it that gives me a sense of awe um, what is it that inspires me and if it's if it's merely and I use that I use that carefully if it's merely my work or employment if it's not the engagement of my abilities and gifts for the assistance of others and the benefit of others and the um, helping someone else feel uh, like they're getting something through my efforts as well if it's just punching the clock without any meaning at all mm-hmm. um, it truly is idolatry because an idol is a dead thing it's not a living thing it, it um, the only influence it has over our lives is it weighs us down. Um, it's death to us. That's what mm-hmm. idols are. Uh, we put everything into it, and that's what a workaholic does. Mm-hmm. They give, give, give. So the, the um, force is going one way only. The energy is going out of a person, out of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I get nothing back mm. if I'm a workaholic. If the only value I have in life is giving without any receiving, and the only work I do is just to get it done. Mm. Um, then I'm I'm missing the essence of what Jesus said when I, he he commented. He said, I, "I've come that you might have life, and mm. have it abundantly." Um, he said elsewhere in John, I believe it was, where um, he said, "I come that my joy would be in you, and your joy, your joy would be complete." Um, I don't think. As much as um, workaholics are addicted, as the term describes, um, ad- addictive behavior is, is never life-giving. Um, it, it's um, it's a chain around our our neck or our, our, our feet. It, it mm-hmm. stops us from experiencing joy. It it stops us from experiencing uh, a greater sense of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Uh, I honestly can't think of workaholics that I've known in the past or know now that exude a whole lot of joy. Mm. You know what I hear them say when you ask the question, "How are you doing?" Uh, what do you, What do they say? Ah, I'm mm. busy. Mm-hmm. As if busy were the best value in life. Um, I know a lot of people that would would love not to be busy, and I think uh, that's where we begin to find meaning mm. when we're doing things that. Uh, allow us to fully live um, not to be anchored and just you know doing something for the sake of doing it because I wouldn't know what to do with, with myself otherwise mm-hmm. um, you know numbers of people have reported how after retirement um, without any kind of hobby or meaning beyond the workplace um, they've had a hard time adjusting Right. They don't have a sense of themselves, like, who am I? What makes me Craig? And uh, without work, they find themselves just kind of disappearing into the woodwork. Um, I think workaholics can can be tempted towards that, mm-hmm. that end. Can pastors be workaholics? <laughs> You're both just staring down at me right now. That's, that's just a mean question. We're going to move on. <laughs> I, 
and and again that that's a real temptation sam for for me and for others and i i i'm not sure i'm the best person to uh, to have uh, an antidote for that because i i, I know that uh, there have been times when i think i've i've worked because um it's it's easy to do if you don't place limits on yourself mm-hmm. and i think the the healthy approach to that is and i've i've uh, tried to put this into my life is to find people that will hold you accountable um, mm. others that will uh, knock on the door and say hey you know uh, like there's no real quitting time in the, the pastorate but um, there, are, there are times when we really should just close the book and go home and you know it, it's really good to just have someone notice and say you know what you know it sounds like it's been a, a rough week or a long day uh, you know wouldn't it be great just to head out for you know a coffee or a meal or a movie or something mm-hmm. and to have friends that uh, will catch you up and say I, I think you you've been at this too long just mm. you know close it down um, yeah uh, I don't think there's any any good that comes out of a pastor or anyone uh, that overworks themselves and uh, uh, dries up you know we, we mm-hmm. have to refill the, the tank what would you what piece of like wisdom would you give or advice would you give to people who are morally challenged with their jobs the ones that have to do with the ones that need a who live by paycheck by paycheck. Mm. Yeah, and for me, the the benefit has been that I uh, I happen to say yes to a calling that has given me um, meaning, not meaningful work, but meaning in my work as mm-hmm. well. And uh, for people that. Um, you know, dread going to work in the morning and, uh, you know, just can't wait until the clock strikes that final minute and they can punch out and head home. Um, that's a, a, a jail sentence, a death sentence almost, right. isn't it? It just kind of pulls the, the life out of a person. Um, and so I'd say two things. Um, at the beginning stage of a person's life or at any open window or opportunity to jump at something that gives them joy and that they say, whoa, my blood begins to flow with this. There's a passion to do this. Take mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. go after that, pursue that career, that job, um, and get the education or the training for it. If it's going to add a few more years before you can do something about it, um, it's going to be an investment well mm-hmm. made. Um, but if you're, you know, to those that are locked into something that um, if they were to let go of it, they, they wouldn't have an income that they need to secure uh, support for their family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they are people that need really good friendships, um, people that will be able to be there to let them unload and, and listen to their burdens and their, mm-hmm. their heartbreaks, um, to hear them not complain but vent and say, oh, can, can I just sit with you? Today mm-hmm. was one of the hardest for me, um, you know, because they're people that have given, given, given. And uh, they need a time to sit with somebody that has a real ability to just listen to them um, right. to feed into their lives. I guess one, inter- one interesting case, I was pulled aside and they said, Sam, uh, you want, you wanted an internship. I said, I said, oh, that would be great. So, okay, um, we have this competition for you. Join it and we'll see what happens. So what am I working on? So it was a cannabis company. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah. so there's there's two sides of cannabis. There's medical and then there's recreational. Right, right. 
So I said, which type? I said, recreational. And so I, and so I called my parents and I asked them because my dad is pastor. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this was by the time I already signed my NDA. Wow. And I told my father, I said, I'm going to be working on a cannabis account. Mm-hmm. He asked me, medical or recreational? Mm-hmm. And I told him recreational. And he told me, he said, can you, can you back out now? And then I, I told him, I said, this is, this is a huge opportunity for me. What do I do? I do not. I do not. At that point, I was struggling to think, what do I do? Because mm. the, then every, I remember every Sunday saying it, put God first in your work. Like mm. when, when it comes to work, put God first. Mm-hmm. And it just it sometimes baffles me when, especially in my line of work, and I, uh, you can draw the analogy to other lines of work when all you're doing is it's very hard to put God in cannabis, how would you put God first? Right, it's, it's, right. It's strange. What What was your decision? Where are you now? I, I'm actually going forward. You continue with it? I'm yeah. continuing yeah. with it. Yeah. And is there a struggle, an internal struggle? There is. You because yeah. at the end of the day, what they're asking is sell more of this product. Right. right. And when people use this product, right. it's it's sort of deception. You're, you're just... you're. You're deceiving people to, into thinking that they're going to have a good time, but, but when you look at it in the long term. Yeah, yeah. If if I can, just yeah. to engage that <laughs> thought, uh, I'm not going to say quit the job, but I am going to say it, it doesn't come without uh, a cost to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you may be getting... Um, a great thing on your resume for the future. Uh, it may be some income. Um, but if if I can be bold in a in a good and nasty way, or maybe an honest and nasty way, yeah, um, this is asking you to sell your soul. Uh, I'm saying that only because of what you've said, not because of my crit- mm-hmm. critique of it. Um, you you were saying it's something that you understand is um, um, it, it's selling something that's decept- You're being deceptive when you're yeah. when you're doing this, when you're engaging in it. And I guess, uh, you, you know, nobody can be deceptive and put that aside and say, but that's not really me. Because if I'm deceptive in this one thing, I have to own up to that and say, I'm being deceptive. Um, that is a part of me right now. Um, and it would be nice if I could separate that out and say, I'm doing this deceptive thing, but that's not who I am. Mm. But unfortunately, that really is who I am, because not only um, might it be something I think is okay within myself, but it has inf- it's it has an influence on other people, mm-hmm. and I'm using my deception to influence somebody or a group of people or numerous people in a way that if I step back, I would say I don't want to harm people. I want to encourage and bless and lift them up and and give them joy and hope. Um, and I know this thing that I'm being deceptive over doesn't get people there. Mm. Um, that's just kind of where I, where my mind goes. <laughs> I feel bad going back to work now. <laughs> can't, can't say I couldn't see that coming, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm using your own words against you, Sam. You, you, I don't know why you, know, con- you pick up the pen and start writing. You convicted yourself. <laughs> if, I, if you feel it's something that you are not being true to yourself about, it's 
it's going to take a toll right. either immediately or somewhere down the line mm -hmm. because there will be a next job this will not be your last yeah and so what will the next job offer you or ask of you mm -hmm. and um, it might be harder to say no the next time right. because of how you approach this one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think whenever I move from one job to another, I was always learning something about myself. And one of the main things that I learned are the things that I shouldn't have done in the mm. other job. Mm. Uh, not just the things I do well or better, but uh, things I realize I don't want to make that mistake again. Mm -hmm. And that's always a good thing. So, you know, in this conversation, don't go away feeling like, oh my word, you know, I'm, <laughs> this is, I'm dead in the water. No, this is just a, a right. step, step right. on the journey. What is, your, what is your greatest investment in the workplace? Hmm. So the, the area that I invest most in is people, relationships. Mm -hmm. um, the most investment from me, I guess, is um, my, my own faith, my own um, perception of, of who am I um, without hiding something, without um, faking something, but it was by truly being someone that I am, uh, that God made me, how can I do this, uh, this work? How can I um, continue a ministry? Because um, I, uh, pastoral ministry, uh, one of our uh, professors years and years back in seminary used to talk about how uh, <laughs> You know, none of his students um, complained about the the history prof or the uh, um, the theology prof. Um, none of them complained about um, uh, denominational conversations and that. What they complained about was um, the things that he was teaching in pastoral ministry courses. And he said, "You know why? It's because everything that we talk about has to relate to you as a person, mm. and that can come across very." Um, differently based on what you're going through at the time and mm -hmm. you get mad at me he said because uh, you know I bring up things that uh, are at the heart of who you are mm. uh, things you don't like about yourself or things that you're critical about in life and I just kind of put the spotlight on it um, so to invest in ministry is to um, to be somewhat vulnerable and recognize that in that um, putting yourself out there uh, there can be and will will be arrows thrown uh, just because we're human people. Mm. I mean, I, I, I can remember growing up in churches where uh, people would like or dislike certain pastors. And uh, one of the reasons wasn't because, of, wasn't at all because of what they taught. It was because of how they comb their hair. Now, don't say anything about how I comb my hair. <laughs> but how they, how they comb their hair, how they look, um, you know, what they wear, uh, how they talk. It was a personality thing that mm -hmm. they liked or disliked. And, uh, you know, that's, that was so sad because a lot of these, these people were, were incredible uh, students of the Bible and Scripture mm -hmm. and uh, understood, uh, you know, their ministry. Uh, but it was a personality factor that would turn people away or toward them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it's... It's a dangerous thing to kind of put yourself out there and know that, you know, you're not going to be liked by everybody. Right. Yeah. When I when my father was working in a church, and I, w I was young and naive, I thought, 
Why would there be any politics? <laughs> why why would there be any disagreements? If everybody mm -hmm. if everybody's in the church and they have one dedication is to do the work and you know, it's for yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Why is there politics? Yeah. Like it's exactly what you're saying is people have different personalities. Some people just can't work with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean it it, it goes across the board like it, it happens in and your work, your mm -hmm. schooling and everything. Um, whenever we rub shoulders with other people, mm -hmm. there are going to be either personality differences or politics that will enter the room and um, how we deal with those. It's, mm -hmm. it's significant. I actually want to do something a little bit fun. Okay. Let's say, let's improvise. Let's say we were in an elevator together mm -hmm. and I asked you, what do you, what do, what do you do for a living? What's your elevator pitch? Ah, I'm into long-term investments. <laughs> <laughs> and, and securities. Uh, I've, 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 I've been on the airplane and sitting beside people, and I, uh, I dread, I, I just hold my breath praying to God that that question will not come right. up. Because the, the last thing a minister wants to say is, oh, I'm a pastor. Right. Uh, I, I've said I'm a minister a couple of times before, and they said, oh, um, in the government? You know, mm. in which, which department? <laughs> and I, I almost want to have fun with that and, and just string them a line. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, and, and it's truthful. I deal in long-term investments and in mm -hmm. securities. Um, you know, how we invest our lives is the basic question for all of us. You know, what matters to you? What matters to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a pastor, who do you surround yourself with? And let me say, we don't always have to try that hard either. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I enter a lot of rooms where I don't have to try to be, not be the smartest person. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I can see in the sun wave is laughter. <laughs> so your question was? <laughs> As a pastor, who do, you, who do you surround yourself with? Yeah, um, so it's great to go into uh, larger gatherings where you can spot people that either you've, you've met before and you've been really enriched by those conversations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there, I mean, without naming names, there are just a lot of opportunities to do that in the world and mm -hmm. to, to notice people that, uh, one of the things that I, I recognize is um, I ask questions based on how much I know of a certain thing. So. Um, if I go into a room and there's somebody that um, does something or has some connection to something I either have limited knowledge with or have done before somehow, um, it's wonderful to, to go further because I can ask more intelligent questions. Not, not to shine, but, but so that I can get deeper in my understanding of that. Mm. Uh, it doesn't help me to go to an auto mechanic and, and try to, you know, uh, shine because I know zip about how to fix an engine. Um, but if I can approach somebody that I have some limited understanding of what they do, um, I build my repertoire of, of understanding in a far deeper way. Mm -hmm. And it's a rich conversation. I, I learn from them every right. time. One of the passages that uh, I just love going back to is uh, uh, the second chapter in Philippians where it gives us a, a picture of God through, through Christ. Uh, it was a hymn in the early church, in fact, I'm sure. And uh, here's, here's how it goes, at least part of it. If there's anything of encouragement in Christ, any consolation or love, 
any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy. And then he says this, make my joy complete by being of the same mind and having that same love. In other words, uh, the mind of Christ, the love of Christ. Uh, and then it goes on, um, don't do things out of selfish ambition or conceit. I mean, there's a lot of that in the world everywhere, isn't there? Uh, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. And I, I think, uh, for me, that's that's the heart of the gospel. In humility, regard others is better than yourselves. Uh, in other words, have a sane idea of your place in the world. Don't lift mm -hmm. yourself up. Let God lift you up. Um, verse 4 goes on. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Wouldn't that be a refreshing experience in our lives mm -hmm. if we walked into a room in, at work or wherever and we realized each person around us was looking after another person's interests, not their own? Um, and then it says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. There's a lot of exploitation in the world, and um, Christians ought to be um, out of that arena. We ought not to be anywhere near exploitation. We need to be the people that are going in and ministering to the to those who are captured in that and, and seeking their release from that. Um, uh, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. Therefore, God exalted him. I love that verse 9, God exalted him. You know, we, we're in a world where uh, the temptation is to exalt ourselves. And mm -hmm. uh, this whole theme of reverence and awe it's recognizing that as um, one of the writers I used to read a lot about, um, read a lot of, John Claypool, talked about peace is knowing our place. And uh, if I know my place, um, I have a sense of awe and reverence for, for the God that um, will lift me up, not um, I don't need to lift myself up. Mm -hmm. God highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name that was above every name that a name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, it's not talking about um, submission to a power or force. Uh, it's talking about submitting to a way of life, to submitting to Jesus' way of life, that sooner or later we'll all come to the revelation uh, that this approach of um, enslavement, exploitation, privilege, a domineering attitude, all of those, um, when we try to sneak any of those characters into our lives, characteristics into our lives, um, it leads to death and destruction. Um, but when we follow the way that Jesus exemplified, uh, it's there we find life. Mm -hmm. could, you, could you tell us and the listeners, what books are you reading? One of the books I've gone back to, um, I read uh, a year ago, was uh, Brian McLaren's uh, The Great Spiritual Migration. Mm -hmm. And um, McLaren is uh, uh, a, an author, a speaker. Um, uh, I'm trying to, I, I believe he calls himself a, a sociologist. I'm not just quite sure. But um, one of the areas that he's done a lot of work in is uh, bringing people of differing faiths together for a conversation that deepens the dialogue. Um, mm. 
and he, he talks about the shifts that are happening and have needed to happen over the, the years uh, from the beginning of organized religion. Mm. And he talks about how, you know, it, it was once a matter of, you know, really defending a, a strict set of beliefs, you know, here's my list and uh, you better not attack me because these are the things I hold dear. Mm. Uh, he says, you know, one of the things that we need to do is move away from um, defending our beliefs and instead of that, moving toward living a life defined by love. Mm. And uh, that's going to deepen our conversation. It's going to deepen our relationships. Um, moving away from associating God with images of violence and armies that, that wrote you know, entire cities and, and uh, um, ethnic groups. And moving from that uh, mistaken identity of God, uh, he says, and I believe, uh, towards a, a recognition that God's a renewing spirit. Um, someone that gives life. That whenever God shows up, it, it's not for um, um, condemnation or criticism or leaving people out or excluding. It's about it's about casting this net to to gather people in um, uh, because a God, the God of, of of the New Testament through Jesus, is one that renews life and brings joy. Um, so moving away from organized religion to spiritual activism. Um, and, and we see this without faith, but I think there's an added dimension of, of purpose and meaning for the person of faith mm -hmm. when they come to it, um, to, to lead in the area of healing this planet uh, rather than treating it like a garbage dump. Um, moving into areas where we advocate um, for people caught in, in, um, um, in poverty, um, the cycle of poverty, and advocate for justice and peace. Um, I think I think the uh, the reasons we do things do matter. Not just that we do them, but why we do them. Mm. Is there something behind that? And for the Christian that does it, it's uh, hopefully uh, to bless that person, not to lift myself up in, in the process or pad my pocket. Uh, the other book book that I read that I'm really enjoying is is Henry Cloud's uh, The Power of the Other and. Uh, uh, he talks a lot about how we all have people in our lives, but uh, some of them um, are um, not bringing us to health. They're, they're kind of, uh, what's the term? Um, uh, they're, they're just not healthy for mm -hmm. us to, to continue with. And so he speaks about the, the influencers in our lives and how we can um, uh, be better uh, equipped to live life based mm. on the power of the others that, that we bring into our, our realm. So um, besides, you talked about books. Do you listen to any podcasts? One of the people that I, I appreciate is uh, a man by the name of Pete Scazzaro. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the podcasts he's doing now is uh, he has a whole series of, of leadership courses called Emotionally Healthy Leadership. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Right now, he's talking about some of the things that uh, leaders need to surround themselves with for healthier lives, and uh, so that would be a podcast I'd encourage uh, you know people to read or uh, to listen to. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then I just uh, David Baldashi, the the novelist, I, I just enjoy his books. And, mm -hmm. uh, listen, listening to his, yeah. Tell the listeners something interesting, a story. So you were asking me earlier about reverence itself, and. One of the books that for me just grabbed hold, and I was um, doing my bachelor's degree 
at university and um, a book that we were reading at the time was an, an ancient one. It was uh, translated into English in 1923, I think, by um, uh, its German um, uh, manuscript, uh, Rudolf Otto, uh, The Idea of the Holy. Mm. And uh, what he talks about is the, um, the non-rational, the thing in life that causes us to feel uh, in the deepest of ways, and uh, the thrill of awe, um, and that sense of dependence. And uh, he, he throws out a term that he, he creates, the, the numinous experience. Uh, mm -hmm. In other words, uh, embracing the mystery. And uh, I remember um, hearing uh, an interview with uh, the, the writer and uh, theologian um, Frederick Buechner, uh, he was sitting at a table with friends and uh, they were talking about people that they loved to meet, people from history uh, that had since passed on and uh, they were naming different famous people they'd love to have a conversation with and one of them said, oh Jesus, I'd love to love to sit down with Jesus and, and have a conversation and, and uh, Beekner looked across the table and said, oh no, oh no, he said, if I met Jesus I would be completely undone, mm. undone because just overwhelmed, uh, that sense of total awe, that there would be no words to capture that moment. He'd just sit there in the moment. Um, and uh, I think that leads me to suggest that this whole theme about reverence is vital to just everyday life. It has, it has more to do about everyday lives of people that are outside of the church than it necessarily does people within it because it relates to um, what is it that I admire? Uh, what are the values that I lift up? Uh, what excites me in life? Uh, what is it that can send a, a shockwave of thrill through my bones and my blood? Mm. Um, and we all want to be there, like we look for that. And so we go off to Canada's Wonderland and amusement parks and elsewhere or, or <laughs> fantastic movies to be on the edge of our seats and right. to get that experience. And for me, if we're talking about that and we're, we're putting in the equation God, uh, the powerful thing is that it, it, the one and only answer that succeeds in um, providing that sustained thrill throughout life mm -hmm. is God. Mm. Uh, everything else is an addiction that leads to dissatisfaction. It will be a high for a period of time but it will stop, it will run dry, it won't be enough the next time. You'll need to find something more or longer lasting or um, more powerful or potent, um, and you'll always be on that continued search. But for me, finding God, putting God into that equation, saying, uh, what's that like? To be totally undone by the presence of God. Um, not because God is that miscalculated, misunderstood um, notion of, um, omnipresence, omnipowerful, you know, looking over your shoulder to make sure that if, if you do one mistake, he's going to be at you. Mm -hmm. uh, rather, than, rather than that, the God of self-giving love, the God of sacrifice, the God of mercy that, that keeps on blowing up my world and saying, your heart's not soft enough, your, your mind's not big enough, your embrace isn't wide enough. Mm -hmm. uh, you have yet to capture uh, my heart for these people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, 
I love to see and meet people with such an, a limitless love that they are embracing people that I'm learning how to love more deeply and genuinely. Um, so for me, the Christian life um, is being led by growth and learning and a big chunk of it is where I find that sense of awe and reverence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it excites me. Pastor Craig, would you mind closing us in prayer? Let's pray. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for being in our lives. Uh, Whether we know it or not, whether we've invited you yet or not, thank you that uh, you journey with us. That not only are you the God that created us and breathed life into our lungs, but you're the God that cares intimately for our best. Thank you that uh, you made us to experience joy and delight in life, that that tingle within ourselves that reminds us that uh, uh, humans are made in the image of the Creator and that you want us to love people from the depth of your heart as much as our own. We pray for people right now suffering and uh, encountering times of struggle. We pray for those that are affected by the coronavirus and uh, uh, this thing that we're, we're trying to learn about to handle and to, to limit, but uh, we know that it's, uh, it's causing uh, pain and suffering to, to so many around the globe. So uh, care for and be with those people that are in the midst of it all, or the first responders and people that are engaged in health care. Be with families that have loved ones affected at, in distances where they're being quarantined and just hold them in your care and help us to be people that that speak a word of encouragement and and peace and love and are there for them physically by acts of kindness. We pray for those affected by the the fires in Australia, um, for people who have lost land, but also who have lost um, important places in their lives and memories and traditions. We pray for uh, what the U.S. is going through right now with the impeachment trials and um, politics. And we just pray for our own country here in Canada that you would be with every leader, that uh, you would influence their hearts in ways that uh, they would lead through um, the intentional hope that they would make every life better somehow, some way. Lord, lead us through your wisdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Craig. Uh, For any listener that would like to uh, write in any comments, any prayer requests, any questions, please do so on any social that this audio is uploaded to. If you would like to see any books or any podcasts that were mentioned, you can check it out in the show notes. We'd like to thank Pastor Craig Rumble for his thoughts and insights in understanding the Word of God and how His Word brings us over the edge. We would like to thank you for listening and please join us next week for another exciting evening of insightful conversation.